And our text is Revelation chapter 9. And uh, Brother Kevin, another great music program, both services today. Appreciate your work on that. Good job that you do with that every time. Well, this morning we started a series, this is part two, and we're going to have at least six parts to it. And so next Sunday morning I'll be preaching part three. But um, uh, talking about how people, how are people tormented eternally? And all we, most people say hell, but the only thing they think about is a lake of fire. And yet, uh, as we pointed out this morning, uh, there's more to it than that. There's torment. And the, the rich man said, I am tormented in this flame. But what were the torments there for him? And other torments. You know, this Bible is preserved. We have it. Nothing is missing. Yet, on the other hand, let's realize that no scripture is a private interpretation, meaning it can't contradict any other part of scripture. So, therefore, when you're looking at a passage, sometimes you'll hear preachers that'll uh, say some things that, wow, I didn't know that. And, and in another part of the scripture, it'll say something else, and it'll seem like there's a contradiction. No, there's no contradiction in the scriptures. Rather, there are misunderstanding by people. Uh, men of God misunderstand. So let, let's just uh, keep that in our mind as we go through here. We're going to be using Revelation chapter 9 each time because when I finish the series, that's where we're going to finish the series. I want everything to build up to this, verses 1 through 11 of chapter 9. Uh, so that you can see it clearly when we get there because there's so many different ideas about that. Also, let me just say, have pencil and paper or whatever you have there, you know, the, that, that little sermon notes sheet that we put in your bulletin, it's good to have. And write down the scriptures that I will use uh, so you can go back and look at them. Uh, always, whether it's myself or any other person standing in this pulpit, search the scriptures to see if those things are so. So in Revelation chapter 9, verses 1 through 11, And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit, as the smoke of a great furnace. Now again, as is a word that's symbolic. Not, not a literal furnace, but as the smoke would come out of a furnace, Okay. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and unto them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass, the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. And to them it was given that they should not kill them, but they should be tormented five months, and their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. And in those days shall men desire death and shall not find it, and shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. And the shape of the locusts were like unto horses prepared unto battle, and on their heads were, as it were, crowns like gold, and their faces were as the faces of men. 
and they had hair as the hair of a woman. <laughs> had a bad hair day, huh? And their teeth were as the teeth of lions. And they had breastplates, as it were, breastplates of iron. And the sound of their wings as the sound of chariots of many horses running to battle. And they had tails like unto scorpions. And there were stings in their tails. And their power was to hurt me in five months. They had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abandon, but in the Greek tongue, his name is Apollyon. Well, let's pray. Father, as we go back to your word, Lord, to continue this message, Lord, it is serious. I can't emphasize the seriousness of this subject because people that we know, people we love, people that we rub elbows with, if they don't get saved, sometimes it's family members, but if they don't get saved, this is their destiny. They die without Christ. So, Lord, I pray that you would renew within each believer a passion for the souls of men and a great love for Jesus Christ who has provided a way to escape this eternal torment. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. I recently read an article in the featured devotional booklet by George W. Zeller, a pastor and a teacher. Uh, the feature devotional booklet, as a matter of fact, you have devotions every Sunday. We call it Family Time with God. It's in your bulletin. It comes from the feature devotional booklet. Uh, it's out of California, so not everything out of California is a fruit or nut, okay? Uh, just most of it. Uh, but... Um, I'll get another email on that, and I know. But nonetheless, here we uh, have something that we put in your bulletin every week. You'll probably read what I'm going to read to you right now uh, in about another two or three months. Uh, because when I get done going through it, it's usually divided up into about two or three months. When I get done going through it, I turn it into Mrs. Nelson. And then uh, she chooses out of the different ones that she would like to put in the bulletin. And so uh, that's how it goes. They're all, they're all good uh, in there, and I really appreciate the good work they do. But I want you to listen to this article as I read it by uh, Brother Zeller. He said, some radical Muslims are committed to their extreme ideology, even to the point that they are willing to blow themselves up in order to kill the infidels. How committed are we as believers in the true God? An African pastor wrote the following, and really pay close attention to this. This, this, this man really got it, this African pastor. I'm part of the fellowship of the unashamed. The die has been cast I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present 
makes sense. My future is secure. I'm finished and done with low living, sight walking, cheap living, and dwarf goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, plaudits, or popularity. I don't have to be right, first, tops, recognized, regarded, or rewarded. I now live by faith, lean on his presence, walk by his patience, and live by prayer, and labor by the power. My face is set. My gate is fast. My goal is heaven. My road is narrow. My way is rough. My companions, few. My guide, reliable. My mission, clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice. I will not hesitate in the presence of the adversary. Negotiate at the table of the enemy. <coughs> Excuse me. Ponder at the pool of popularity. Or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, let up until I have stayed up, stored up, prayed up, and paid up, and preached up for the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I must go till he comes, give till I drop, preach till all know, and work till he stops me. And when he comes for his own, he will have no problem recognizing me. My banner will be clear. I tell you, that's the confidence and the faith that we all should have. I really appreciated that, that uh, Dr. Zeller wrote down here for us to read. It shows what we need to be if we are going to be committed disciples of Jesus Christ. And it is a commitment. It's a commitment as strong as a marital commitment. We need to have this commitment. We need it because we must do our best to deliver this country to Christ. Praying for an evangelism explosion. That's why we have the Monday night meeting for men to come here and just pray. A revival of righteousness within our local churches. We must always remember if his people humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways. Pretty well means if we will seek his face, turn from worldliness, turn to righteousness and true holiness, then revival can come. You see, it is ungodly Christians, uncommitted Christians, that are the cause of no revival. It's not Jesus Christ who withholds revival. He does not withhold it. He wants it to be poured out. 
but he wants his people to be ready for it. Too many love this world mixed with their faith. Yes, as I said this morning, there are many signs standing in, in yards of people across this county that say faith over fear. But it's a shame if we would fear the COVID-19 more than we would fear what awaits those who die without Christ. More than we would fear being ashamed at his appearing, being saved so as by fire, standing at that great white throne and seeing people cast into the eternal lake of fire. People we had the chance to reach. I believe that that's why we see one more time after the white throne judgment in Revelation that God should wipe all tears from their eyes because I think once again there'll be tears as we see the failures that we did not even witness to one's to whom God wanted us to witness. This morning, we considered some of the torments of hell as fire, as hopelessness, no ceasing to exist, the desire for water, but it's not given. A body that can feel pain as our present bodies would feel pain, as well as fear. The psychological torment of hearing the voice of our mind when seeing that opportunity to be saved saying, not now. No! I'm not going to do that crazy preacher. Just trying to scare us. But all oh, that day is coming. Revelation chapter 20 verses 14 and 15 says, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. But have you ever wondered about that? Death and hell. What does he mean, death and hell were cast into the lake of fire? Well, death... We talk about somebody dying. The word death, as we've told you many times, means separation. When this body dies, my spirit is going to be separated from it. The spirit is not going to die. We were created in God's image. Every one of us. We were created in God's image. God is the spirit. If God had a body like mine, I'd have a hard time worshiping him. So God is the spirit. We worship him in spirit and in truth. But this spirit will leave this body. We are caught up to heaven. There's a spiritual body. I don't think it's the final body until he resurrects us. But when the dead, when the, when the unsaved, should I say, die, their bodies as well are in a grave just like ours would be but they're fashioned with a body even now in hell that's in the midst 
of fire and torments. As the rich man said, I'm tormented in this flame. A body that cannot cease to exist. And so when death is cast into the lake of fire, that, are, that, is, that represents those souls who died without Christ. What about hell? How is death and hell cast into the lake of fire? Remember, it's a place of torments. We'll see more of that as we go along. Yes, people are tormented in that place today that are there who died in their sin. They're not going to be taken from that torment. That torment will be cast into the eternal lake of fire with them. It will be forever. Death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. Listen as I read from Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. You cannot hide from God. We read in Revelation 6 that when Christ comes back, these people will be yelling and even great men, mighty men, will be crying and saying to the rocks, praying to the rocks and the rocks can't hear their prayers. Follow us and hide us from the wrath of the Lamb. These mighty warriors afraid of a Lamb. But this is the Lamb of God. And so, there's found no place for them, and I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open. Books, plural. And another book, singular, was opened, which is the book of life. You had the books, and the book of life. I believe that hell will be worse for some, the eternal lake of fire will be worse for some than it is for others. The books, plural, have your deeds written down. Every moment of your life. The opportunities that someone had to be saved and they passed it up, they scorned it, they mocked it, will be there. At this great white throne, as we told you this morning, in the events to come, the rapture, you and I are caught out to be with the Lord. If we're saved, if you're saved, you're going to be caught out. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. The rapture, only saved. Then there's a tribulation on this earth that will last for seven years. The rapture does not start the tribulation. What starts it is that after the rapture, a covenant is signed with Israel by the Antichrist. And that begins the seven years, according to Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. 
At the end of that seven years, Christ comes back. Blood flows to the horse's bridles. All those souls that die in that are cast into the lake of fire, or, or, or cast into hell, should I say, awaiting the lake of fire. There's a judgment of nations, and then Christ rules and reigns for a thousand years in Israel. He'll settle once and for all to whom the land belongs. At the end of the thousand years, Satan during that thousand years has been chained in that pit. And he'll be loose for just a thousand years. And oh, how foolish of the thing that has always been out there. People are a product of their environment. That foolish, that foolish theory is going to be blown to bits. Adam and Eve were in the best environment that there could ever be, and they fell. Jesus was in the worst environment that he could have been in when he came for us to die on the cross. Tempted in all points like as we are yet, without sin. And so for a thousand years, there'll be a peace, there'll be a prosperity, there'll be a safety like man has never known in our history. And then Satan is loosed and he goes out and he deceives nations once more. A great host will surround Israel, surround Jerusalem to attack it. Fire come down from God out of heaven, devour them all. But living for a thousand years in the best society ever, they're not products of their environment. As you and I, they were born with a sin nature and they needed a savior. And so that's the way it'll be at that time. And now after that, the white throne judgment. See, we as Christians, we, we appeared at the judgment seat of Christ long before that to receive according to our works as well, 2 Corinthians 5.10, whether it be good or bad. But here, they're caught up. And just think of those books as they're presented, just like in a court of law, as the evidence one of the reasons Christ did not do away with the law, but rather fulfilled it, is because all those things that are in the books will reveal the holiness of the law of God that man has failed. And so we have here where they are, books are there, but then there's the book of life. It's interesting to me. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 5, the Lord says, I will not blot their name out of the book of life. You say, well, what does that mean? Does that mean you can lose your salvation? No. I believe every one of us are born into this world with our name in the book of life. Why? Because when Jesus died on the cross... He was the propitiation, 1 John 2, 2. Not for my sin only, but for the sin of the whole world. You were born with your name in the book of life, but you still had to receive Christ as your Savior. And you die without Christ, your name is blotted out. 
<laughs> no apology to the Calvinist because that pretty well refutes his doctrine. But I wonder if at that great white throne, the book of life, why is it there? I believe they'll see their name blotted out. Oh, the tears, the heartbreak. They could have been saved had they turned to Jesus Christ. Well, let me read the rest of that passage in Revelation chapter 20, beginning with verse 12. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which was the book of life, and they were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. They may have died in an ocean. They might have died somewhere else. And death and hell were delivered, uh, delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. People that you and I may know that we have reason to believe they died without Christ. That'll be them. I remember a young man in high school, he was actually in my brother Dick's class, his name was Chester, but Chester had a nice little uh, convertible car. That, that was a cool thing back in the day. And uh, Chester had always been a little scrawny guy. And then he decided he was going to start lifting weights and working out, and he did. He got muscular and all that, and just perhaps more so than most of the guys. He was driving down the road. Somebody did something wrong. His car flipped. The top was down, and it killed him instantly. I was in the same PE class with Chester. And I knew him. I never witnessed to him one time. See, as a Christian, I wasn't right. And I fear the day that I see his face as he may look at me as he's cast into that eternal lake of fire. And I think Tears will be wiped from my eyes at that same time as well. That's why we have such a duty upon us as Christians to get the Savior, the, the gospel out of a great Savior who will save their souls for where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. He can forgive. He will forgive. I'm telling you that so you know that death and hell the torments of that place are cast into the lake of fire. Now, listen, if you miss any of these sermons, if you miss a sermon this morning, go back and listen to it. They'll all be on there, posted on our website as they go up. But you may want to email some of these sermons to others to hear so that they will understand. And they're tossed in that lake of fire. 
Those things that torment the inhabitants of hell continue to torment in the great lake of fire. You say, well, what's the difference between the lake of fire and hell since the rich man was tormented in hell? It's kind of like going from jail to a maximum security prison. And folks, it's very real. This morning we read verses 20 and 21 near the end of our message about of chapter 9. How they repented not of their murders or sorceries, nor their fornications, nor their thefts. You see, they rejected our Savior. Does the Bible contain contradictions? No, not at all. Error? Oh, no. The question is, is do you believe what it says about hell? Do I believe it? Then we'll witness. If we believe it and to not witness, the gospel of Christ shows a lack of love for God because he wants us to. We don't care enough for God to even do what he tells us, let alone for a fellow man. Let your faith over fear be greater in the matter of souls than the matter of COVID-19. Yes, the fear of man bringeth a snare. Don't let it bring you down. I want you to look again uh, here also a myth about hell because it's important that we have we have this understanding about chapter 9 of Revelation. It says in Matthew chapter 25, verse 41 and verse 46, Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. The doctrine of everlasting fire, we're told, was prepared for the devil and his angels. Hell is not a comfortable place as it is today, even for those fallen spirits, those angels that are theirs, let alone man. Rather, it torments them, and it'll be a part of their torment forever. We remember the legion of angels that filled the man at, at Gadarene. And they pleaded with the Lord to send them into a herd of swine instead of going to that place before the time. It torments them. Why can't the angels be saved? Well, they had greater light. See, you and I have never seen the actual face of Jesus Christ. We've never seen the angels of heaven. We've never seen the presence of heaven. All those angels did. They knew the holiness of God. They knew it well. They had the opportunity. And they passed it up. In a sense... Since they've already seen, they already know it's real, they're not capable of faith. Except they know 
that they're going to be there tormented forever. That's why they would request, send us into a herd of swine before that time. Don't forget at one time, Satan himself, Lucifer, the covering angel, he covered that place of the Holy of Holies. And he lost his position. But we see when Christ says to Moses, God tells him, make this tabernacle. Make it after what I showed you. The design. Now there's two angels over that ark. You see, it took two powerful angels to replace Satan. That's why when Michael himself, a high archangel of God, when he contends with Satan, he doesn't say, I said to you, he says, the Lord rebuked thee. He had a greater power and position. Yes, that's what awaits. It's ahead. So don't have the idea that the devils torment in hell or the lake of fire. They don't. It's designed to torment them. That's in Hades in the area called Tartarus that we spoke of this morning, as well as the lake of fire to come. You and I are sent as lights into the world. Do you realize our vocations are not secular and sacred? You say, what do you mean? God has you here for a purpose. You're a mechanic. Maybe you work in sales. Maybe you're in industry. Maybe you get out and mow yards. Whatever it is. Because you're not working in a church ministry, a Christian school doesn't mean, well, yours is secular and theirs is sacred. No. Whatever secular job that you may be in is because God sent you there as a light. You say, you know, I'm really, I really know what I'm doing. When I'm, when I'm working in construction, when I'm working in this, I really know what I'm doing. I can do this. I couldn't. <laughs> I'm a mechanic. I can do I couldn't. But God gave you those gifts that you could be a light for him to those people to whom we come in contact. Yes, the angels that fell are tormented. But God has entrusted to us a job as Christians on our jobs to our children to our grandchildren and so much more is in our hands. As Christians, we must be ready for eternity. And remember, since hell was created for the devil and his angels, Revelation chapter 14, verses 9 through 11 makes this statement. And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, if any man worship the beast and his image and receive his mark in their forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine 
of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation, God's wrath will not be watered down. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone. You hate fire and brimstone preaching, understand. You'll wish you loved it. They'll be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. Ah, oh, wow. You know, those people he's warning in the tribulation, those people that receive the mark of the beast that Revelation speaks of in chapter 13, But this verse in Revelation 14 says they are tormented in the presence of the holy angels, not the evil angels that makes a distinction, and the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. The people who will be tormented in hell along with the devils that are there forever and ever are tormented by holy angels and the Lamb of God himself. Not devils just doing their little thing. And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever. And they have no rest, day nor night, who worship the beast and his image. It's a place that is forever, and it is a place that the devils fear. Now look, what have we seen in just these two sermons so far? Well, the hell where people that die and go to die without Christ. There's unquenched thirst. The body fills with things that our bodies would fill if it was in the pain of uh, thrown into a fire. And the torments that we'll cover later. They'll know the hopelessness there's, there's, there's no hope, there's no escape, there's no ceasing to exist. And unable to warn the people that you love when you know of this place, and you know they're coming, but you're there, and God's not going to allow you to go from the grave back to them, because they have what we have, the Word of God. And they won't believe it. They won't believe the one rose from the dead. So, we see that these things torment man's spirit. It torments the angels of, that died, the, the angels that were cast there. The fire is real. They too are tormented in that flame. Jesus Christ and the holy angels. And that eternal fire. But the devils, they too. The only way that you can escape it or anybody we love can escape it is by receiving Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We told you that today, this morning, there's four compartments that we call hell. 
but really the first compartment is not a place of fire. Abraham's bosom, also referred to as paradise. That's where Lazarus was. He's caught up. When Jesus rose from the dead, he brought them up into heaven. Now we see in 2 Corinthians 12, it's called the third heaven. It's called paradise. And there are people that died in Christ that died so many hundreds of years ago. Those Old Testament believers are there now. Our loved ones who have passed and gone there, my mom, my dad, my brother, and others that we know and love are up there. Because they were saved. And they're enjoying that third heaven and they don't want to come back here. But after that, there's a great gulf. We're not really told what that great gulf is. We all say gulf, we kind of think of water. But wouldn't that be a torment if that's what it is? But they can't get to it. But it seems to divide Abraham's bosom, paradise, from Hades, where there's fire and there's torment. And then below that, in that bottomless pit, is a place called Tartarus, where those devils that fell in the day of Noah were chained, that those legion of angels and the man of Gadarene pleaded with God, don't send us there before the time, let us go into this herd of swine. They won't be saved, but they do believe in the doctrine of hell. And death and hell will be cast into the lake of fire. Now, the question I have to ask myself is, will I hear when I appear before Christ, well done, good and faithful servant? Will I have the crown that Brother Woodard in our Sunday school class today taught on 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, a crown of righteousness, a crown of rejoicing, should I say, for those that bring others to Christ? Matter of fact, Daniel chapter 12 and verse 3 says, that they that turn many to righteousness shall shine as the stars forever. He said, well, how many does it take for me to shine as the stars forever? How many have to get saved? Didn't say how many got saved. That's between them and the Lord after you share the gospel. They've got to either accept it or reject it. Turning to many to righteousness is turning them, witnessing the gospel to them, showing them the way to be saved. If they reject it, that's not on you, that's on them. But because you turned them to righteousness, You'll be shining as the stars forever. Will I shine as the stars forever? You see, this doctrine, you say, well, I've escaped going to hell. But you won't escape the judgment seat of Christ where some are saved so as by fire. We even read that we'll count the loss. The loss? Oh, yeah. Remember how the unsaved see their names blotted out? They could have been saved. I believe that we as Christians will see the rewards that he had laid up. That's why it says, Take from him that hath the ten, uh, 
that hath the one and give it to him that hath the ten. What God had planned for us in eternity. Moses moved with fear. He believed what God said about judgment. Build an ark. If we'll be moved with fear, we'll get a concern for that unsaved loved one. We'll get a concern for this unsaved world. And we'll pray for revival. Are we ready? Are we ready to meet the Lord? Not are you saved? Perhaps most of you, if not all of you, are saved in here tonight. I don't know. Because people can tell me they're saved and not be saved. That's why you need to be 100% sure that you need to be able to give a Bible reason why you know that if you die today that heaven is your home. But if you can't do that, boy, I would not play Russian roulette with my soul. Jesus, God in heaven, spirit, came down and took on human flesh, rejected and hated of men, hung on a cruel cross where the Bible says that he even despised the shame. But he endured it because of the glory that was before him. He died for my sin. He died for your sin. And he died for the sins of the whole world. If we're going to go down, if this country's going to go down, let's go down taking souls to heaven. 